think the beauty about our community in the Blue Valley School District is that we can all work together. You're really always just looking forward to just go back to school. Just to see the pride that people have in Blue Valley School District year after year is so much fun to watch. You can't find this anywhere else. I am so thankful we live where we live and can have our children in the Blue Valley School Systems. Hello Blue Valley community. Uh, my name is Tanya Merrigan and I'm the proud superintendent of the Blue Valley School District and I am here with another edition of our podcast Unmuted. I have today with me two very fine colleagues from Academic Services. I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves and let us know what they do for the district. So Adam, we're going to start with you. Yes, my name is Adam Wade and I am the Director of Academic Programs and Accountability. Um, so I, at my head is in a lot of different data pieces all the time. Adam, your background is that you were a... So I was a Blue Valley student, Blue Valley High graduate, 2001, uh, Blue Valley math teacher for 10 years, Blue Valley High, um, and then had a sort of district roles, was at Aubrey Bend for a year, um, and this is my fifth year uh, in academic services. Awesome. I always have to highlight that Adam was a Blue Valley student and a teacher and has worked up through the ranks. And Kelly, will you introduce yourself? Hello, my name is Kelly Ott, and I am the Executive Director of Academic Services for the district. So and I you've get been to... here for how long? I think this is my 12th school year. Right. Right. I knew you'd been here a while, too. Yeah. So um, we are here today uh, to talk about the academic success of Blue Valley students. Uh, you know, any um, school district really wants to highlight the academic progress that their students make, and that it really is one of our main focuses. All Blue Valley patrons should have had um, in their mail a flyer called Champions of Learning. We put this together so that we could highlight some of the academic successes that are happening within our schools. So I'm going to start first of all with um, the elementary level. And let's talk, um, Kelly, we'll start with mm -hmm. you. What are some things that you look for in an elementary classroom um, to make sure that we have learning happening? You know, that, that it's such a complex um, 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 recipe for academic success. It always starts with putting students first and creating that great environment, that welcoming environment and forming those relationships. But the academic pieces that are so important that we like to see is that high quality instruction that's rooted in, in data, really, and knowing where students are. Um, we want to make sure that, especially in the elementary classroom, that literacy is the backbone of most everything we do. Through our work with our, our literacy staff, we, we've been able to do that um, in our curriculum, in our resources, and now in our data. We have great um, tools through assessment, and we use that data to, to make instruction personalized for students. So. And so, Adam, what are some of the data points that we look yeah. for at the elementary level? So at the elementary level, um, speaking specifically to literacy first, uh, we administer a cadence reading screening uh, three times a year to students in grades kindergarten through fifth grade. So every elementary student three times a year. The kinds of things students are asked on those different tests change um, in relation to you know, what they're kind of expected to know and be able to do at that time. But the data that we get from Acadians gives us individualized ideas of where students are right then, um, where their skills may be stronger, where their skills may need support. Um, and it really gives teachers a very good idea of, you know, what the next step is for a particular student. So Acadians is kind of the first piece. Um, it gives us it gives us kind of the nuts and bolts of reading at grades 
two through five in elementary, we also administer FastBridge uh, A reading. So A reading is kind of an overall overview. Um, it ensures that students are on track with things like vocabulary and comprehension. So the difference between FastBridge and Acadian, so whereas Acadians is gonna drill into very specific skills like phonics, um, FastBridge is more of the overall, how are they putting these skills together? So they're kind of two sides of the same coin. And then for math, for K-5, we administer the iReady Diagnostic. And iReady is our tool for, for, it's our math resource. So students are in it, in that resource every day. So just the ability to have kind of the diagnostic three times a year that actually goes with the things they're supposed to be, you know, learning in class gives uh, gives teachers another tool and another easier way to kind of leverage data into making the best possible instructional decisions for kids. So Kelly, um, what is that data showing about our students? You know, um, we're coming out of COVID and I, I'm almost sick of talking about COVID. <laughs> and um, the term learning loss gets kind of in the conversation. And we like to really think of instead of learning loss, it's really our students lost instructional time with quality teachers, which is what we have in Blue Valley. And the good news is, this is why our data you know, showed that, we're beginning to see the rebound of our data um, in specifically in uh, literacy and math. And I would attribute that to kids being back in school and kids being um, with their teachers, and our teachers really stepping up to the plate, using data, using resources, and frankly, just their expertise uh, to help kids. So the, it, it, we're very hopeful. Our data is trending up, and um, we, we're in a place where um, if we just keep on doing the things we're doing and doubling down on both the art and science of teaching, um, we, we're going to see results. So, Adam, the, both of the assessments or all of the assessments you just talked about, yeah. um, teachers can use that data uh, and make changes? Yeah, absolutely. So when teachers get that information, you know, depending upon the assessment, we have different levels of supports that are available to them. So iReady, which was the last one that I referenced in math, is great because it's specifically the, you know, the textbook, so to speak, the resource that we're using as well. So what that will do, students will take that diagnostic test three times a year, teachers will get all sorts of reports that will say, you know, here's the next move for this kid. This would be an idea for grouping students when you get to this particular concept, you know, and and just kind of having that overview of, you know, this is where my students that I'm teaching this year are stronger versus this is where my class as a whole is going to need to need support. This is where we're going to have to really think strategically about how we're going to group students for activities. All big factors um, in the conversation. So things like that. Um, Acadians does a lot of the same things in terms of giving us the, those ideas for nuts and bolts of reading. And, and FastBridge a little bit too. Um, that one, again, because it's more bigger picture, um, more of the decisions there are going to be around, um, you know, either different things that we could have students read, so different pieces of text, or, um, again, different ways to potentially think of how students can interact with content. You know, it's really interesting, like, how, how much we do use data and how, you know, I don't think there's a, a career field out there that isn't using data. And teaching is no different. We yeah. 
really value data and use data, but there's also a human side of learning. And I, that's what I think our Blue Valley teachers are particularly good at is taking data, not just seeing numbers for kids, but knowing kids and right. knowing how to use that data to best benefit an individual. I would agree with you. Our teachers are masterful at identifying uh, what each student needs. Uh, let's move on to middle school. So what does, what does high-quality instruction look like in a middle school? Right. At middle school, you've got this lovely collision, I would say, of really um, high cognitive ability and willing learners. Mm -hmm. And it's just, a, it's really a great place. A lot of the assessments that Adam referenced are in play in middle school. And a lot of the processes, frankly, are, are in play um, at the middle school level too. At middle school, good instruction is kids doing the hard thinking in my mind. Um, in every classroom you walk into, um, you can see that our teachers have orchestrated tasks and activities and collaborations where kids are doing hard things. Um, rigor at middle school is particularly important. Um, our kids are so capable. And I think that's one of the exciting things about working in Blue Valley is how capable our kids are. Um, and so we, we at the middle school level, one of our emphasis is really presenting them with rigorous tasks aligned to standards and using data, but supporting them um, to, to be able to be successful. There's nothing better than having a kid do something hard and be successful. And that's what we like to see in the middle school classroom. So, um, Adam, what does our data say about middle school students? So, you know, our middle school data uh, is is trending up, especially in math. Um, what we've seen uh, with the adoption of iReady this last year, um, the data in, at, for middle school math took huge, huge leaps and bounds forward. Um, so we've seen that there. The literacy data there is stable. Um, though, you know, as we're, we're kind of continuing to get used to, um, just the reading screening process in general, um, you know, one, one of the examples for that is that the last few years at middle school, we had used Acadians, um, and then we had also used MAP as kind of a, a two-pronged way to get at, you know, where students were and how we could better make instructional decisions, um. Fastbridge, which I talked about a little bit earlier, can do the things that both Acadians and MAP did. So they can save instructional time, give students more time actually in their standards, but still get us the depth of information we desire to help us, help teachers know, you know, what students are coming to them with or where students are progressing in terms of their skills. So it's really uh, Fastbridge um, and iReady are kind of the two big ones. Um, at middle school, at least, that, that kind of happened continuously. Um, and I guess the third one uh, that I haven't mentioned yet are state assessments. Mm -hmm. So Kansas State assessments, um, grades three through eight. And then when we talk about high school, it's it's a couple of years in high school as well. But Kansas State assessments um, are the end of the year overview. They give us that nice reflective piece of how did my students end the year? And what does that say about learning in my classroom or our school or our district as a whole? Um, so it's a very different purpose to that assessment than the ones that we administer throughout the year, because really by the time you get the state assessment score, school's generally even over. So it's the, here's what happened, and then how, what does that mean for us, big picture? 
And what are we seeing with state assessments? So state assessments, we're, we're also seeing some really nice trends right now. So the, the last year in particular, um, we've seen this, this nice rebound. Um, and again, middle has seen some of the biggest rebounds. Um, but again, in both math and in, in English language arts and a little bit in science as well. Um, but yeah, overall, the, the state assessment scores are um, continuing to look look better. One of the things that, that Kelly spoke to that I want to kind of highlight here, you know, the Kansas state assessments are rigorous. They're some of the most rigorous in the country. And in fact, the National um, Assessment of Educational Progress, NAEP, NAEP, um, did a study um, in 2019, and we're still on the same test that we had in 2019, and they looked at fourth grade and eighth grade um, reading and math, and basically they took each individual state and where states decided to set kind of their cut scores um, and what states, you know, basically deemed proficient, so to speak, and compared individual states, like one state is compared to the other in that information. And what they found was that in fourth grade, Kansas's assessments are in the top about 15 in terms of rigor. And in eighth grade, they're the hardest in the United States. Oh, wow. um, so, you know, one, one thing that I think can be a decent feather in our cap is that we've got scores that are really, really good to the rest of the state in a state that has set harder standards than the rest of the country. I think we lean into that rigor. That absolutely that's a you know, every ounce of research says when you when you lean into rigor and you provide uh, complex tasks that really go to depth, um, students learn more. And um, you know, do we want to have better scores? Absolutely. But we're also leaning into the rigor that they represent and um, using that data to 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 the benefit of students. So We've talked about elementary, we've talked about middle, so mm -hmm. now let's go on to high school. And so um, what does a high school classroom look like? Um, I, you know, when you walk into a classroom in Blue Valley in high school, you should see that rigor carried through f that, that um, from middle school on. And this is the point where you're beginning to um, connect their learning to post-secondary, whether it be a col college path or a career path. So, you know, great instruction in Blue Valley High School should be rigorous. Um, the kids should be doing deep thinking. It should be aligned to standards, but it should also begin to take, sh you know, take take their their career and, and post secondary choices should begin to infiltrate the classes and maybe the activities they're they're beginning to do. Um, that's where you get a lot of relevance, you know. And um, one of the things that I know our high schools work really hard on is engagement and relevance. And so. Or, you know, in Blue Valley High Schools, you're going to see um, kids doing rigorous tasks, but now with the added layer of how does this help me in my next step? You know, at the high school level, um, we see lots of different metrics that come out. And yep. really, th these should be attributed to all of our teachers from yeah. early childhood all the way through high school. But, yeah. you know, Blue Valley uh, it, this past year was recognized as the top 8% nationally um, in the U.S. News and World Report, Best High School Report. Um, we had the most national merit semifinalist um, in Kansas with 56, mm -hmm. I believe, yep. uh, 56 of those. Um, and then we have this metric called the post-secondary effectiveness rate. Mm -hmm. And our rate is at 86%. So, Adam, can you explain that? Because that's a, a metric kind of unique to Kansas. 
Yeah, so the post-secondary success metric was developed by the Kansas Department of Education in an attempt to measure how well school districts are preparing students for life after high school, a.k.a. that post-secondary word that we've, we've thrown around a little bit. So what the State Department of Education does is they collect data um, to basically ask the question of, once a student has been graduated from high school for two years, have they continuously enrolled in college, either a two-year or a four-year school? So that's one way to be counted as a success in this metric. Um, has a student already earned a post-secondary degree or certificate? So if a student is in a, a special program, you know, whether that's a culinary program or, or welding or something, you know, related to computer like fire science, science yep. computer science, whatever it might be, um, if a student has earned a credential, basically within those two years, they would count as a success under this metric. Um those uh, those are really the two um, the two kind of big ways that students can can get in um, on this one, and it's it's a tough one. Um, one of the things that um, KSDE does is this is publicly available data on their website, and and they track how districts do over time. They um, tell districts based on some of the research that they've done, kind of where they expect the district to be. Um, we always surpass our expectation by five to ten percentage points, um, which is which is great there too. Doesn't mean there's not work to do on this front, but um, certainly it's a metric that, um, while somewhat complicated and somewhat different, um, gives us a nice window into how are our students really doing after they're done with us. Right, right. Another metric that we use at the high school level, Kelly. Um, is something called market value assets. Yeah. So can you explain a little bit about what a market value asset is? It's it's somewhat comparable to what Adam just just expressed. A market value asset is a, a thing, a, an accomplishment that a student earns during high school that is usable, marketable maybe, after, af, after high school in, in a potentially a career or college path. So I'm um, doing a, what we call a client-connected project where you are doing a school activity, but for a purpose. Maybe maybe you're in a digital design class and you're designing a logo for a local small business. Or maybe you're in a culinary class and you're partnering with harvesters to to accomplish something. But you're, you're doing something outside that connects you to to real world experience. Um, other market value assets are having nine hours of college credit when you graduate high school, because that does very much prepare you for your next step. Not only does it um, give you a taste of what college is like, but it also gives you a head start. So that's a, that's a great one to have. And then the credentialing Credentialing could be things like earning your CNA if you're if you're going to be a nurse or if you're even thinking about medical school. What a great way to jumpstart your 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 college and career by earning that credential. So there's different ways um, you could do an internship and apprenticeship, but a market value asset are those things that that give you real-world experience while still in high school. And we're looking at all different ways uh, we can provide those opportunities for students. And it is our goal that, that kids graduate having had those. So our goal is 100% of students who yeah. graduate have those. We're a little over 60% right now, yep. which yep. is good. But yep. again, 
um, our goal is that, that every student has that right. opportunity. And you so. know, it, it's it, it's kind of started a couple years ago, but our, our KSD, our state department, with our new graduation requirements, um, have really leaned into this idea. And I think our, our new iteration, hopefully that'll be approved by our Board of Education this fall, will we'll contain some of these requirements for graduation. Right. You know, the one assessment that I think most of us who went to high school several years ago um, remember is the ACT. And we haven't talked a lot about the ACT right now. Mm -hmm. um, so is the ACT something that our students still take and how do they do on that? Yeah, so our students take the ACT and, and something that's a little bit different from, from when any of us were in high school to now is that the State Department again in Kansas um, and the state legislature partner together to provide students um, during their junior year with a, a free opportunity. Um, during the school day, it's like usually a Tuesday in late February or early March. Um, so students, um, by and large, I mean, if they come to school that day and they're, they're a junior, they can participate in the free ACT. Um, so ACT, um, the, the, while the test may, may have not changed very much from what we know, it's still, you know, measuring English, math, reading, and science. Um, it still gives us kind of an overview of how well are, our students doing kind of bigger picture, um, kind of like state assessments. It's not data that we can look at and go right away. Okay. That's my next move for a student. It's more of a, a big picture. Um, you know, kind of the intersection there, as, as I'm sure a lot of people have heard, you know, colleges um, will uh, ha have leaned into this test optional idea, or at least some have. Mm -hmm. um, now, what that means for an individual student is that they can choose to submit an ACT score or not. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, test optional kind of adds another wrinkle to this for us. Um, that said, I think for us as a district, um, it still gives us a picture of our students learning what we want them to be learning. Um, our overall um, composite score, um, as mentioned in the Champions of Learning, was a 23.6 um, during for the, for the graduate class of 2022, um, which as as compared to really the rest of the state and any of our peers was quite favorable. Um, so yeah. ACT, um, you know, it's it's still an important test for a lot of our kids. Um, while it may not be the same level of importance to others, it still tells us things about our students' learning as a system. Right. I was just at a, a meeting, uh, a KU advisory meeting, and they made a big point of stating that the ACT is not required for KU. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and I kind of pushed back a little bit and said, well, what about for special programs? And they said, no, really, a bigger uh, thing that they're looking at is the courses that students mm -hmm. take while they're in high school are mm -hmm. they taking those rigorous courses to prepare them and how they did in those mm -hmm. so. yeah it's a so changing time it is, <laughs> a changing it's changing. Time. it is a changing time so as we wrap up today kelly if a if a parent is out there listening here and, and has some questions or concerns about their child's learning what would you suggest that they do you know the 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 first and probably best person to contact is your child's teacher. They they are the ones that work with your child every single day. Uh, the principal of the building, of course, um, has is vested in your your child's success, and of course, us at the district level are too. Um, but I would definitely start with your child's teacher and uh, working with them. Our goal is to partner. Our goal is always to partner with families um, to make sure students are learning. And um, we welcome those those conversations. 
Yeah, so the, our number one goal is for every single student to uh, advance from wherever they start out. Absolutely. Um, I think I've heard you both say we look at the individual student. And so a partnership between the parent, the student, and the teacher, wow, that's a powerful partnership um, that sets our students up for success. Absolutely. Very yeah. true. So um, as we wind up today's um, unmuted podcast about uh, learning in Blue Valley, uh, I hope you've learned a little bit about some of the things that are happening in our classrooms and realize that uh, Blue Valley's future is bright. We have really dedicated and educated uh, professionals in those classrooms every day. We have people at the district office like Adam and Kelly who are helping to set up systems so that we know what each individual student needs. Thank you for listening to BV Unmuted, the official podcast of Blue Valley Schools.